Hello and welcome, Ducks fans, where and whenever you're watching or listening. This is the Once a Duck podcast, where we bring you up to date with current and former University of Oregon athletes and give you never before heard stories about your favorite teams and moments in Duck history. I'm your host, Nick Cody, at just follow 61 if you're following me on Twitter. Uh, with me, as always, is my co host, Samuel Tidrick Schmidt at Samuel 101 TS. And uh, well, we don't have a game last week to go and break down or complain about. And we're moving way past Stanford. So, uh, Sam, uh, what did you catch up with this last week to fill your time in uh, bye week? We know you talked a little bit about last week, but what, what are some of those events you were able to go out and check out? Well, you know, Nick, I was able to make it out to an awesome uh, Oregon soccer game on a Thursday night. That was a lot of fun. And then, you know, on Friday, I, I headed out and actually spent a, uh, a weekend with family out in uh, Black Butte. And that was, a, that was a whole lot of fun to be able to be out there. But, you know, I'm glad to be back here in uh, Eugene. And I'm really glad to uh, knock on wood that uh, everything is going to move smoothly going forward. Amazing. I myself, as you know, was uh, out here uh, last Friday. Uh, Checking out the Kraken for the very first time in person at the uh, Community Iceplex. Uh, got a little mini uh, stick and uh, my first NHL jersey, so uh, pretty excited about that. But, uh, you know, was really missing my Ducks a lot and uh, wish I could be down there or could have been down there in Medford for uh, some of the Ducks hockey games because uh, I know how much I love those. But got an invitation to uh, go when they come up here at the uh, same facility to uh, maybe come on while they're doing the broadcast live and talk a little hockey. So uh, definitely we'll uh, probably honor that invite at some time. And they've offered to come on our podcast at some point uh, during hockey season when football wraps up. So I thought that would be pretty awesome. And, you know, also my cracking one open podcast would be pretty interested in that as well, but moving on lightning round. And this week we wanted to just say, it's a little more encouraging, a little more positive. Let's just talk about things we want to see from the football team during this cow game that would be encouraging moving forward and still make us feel like this season could be really, really special. Putting two minutes on the clock and you stutter off, Sam. Well, you know what? The first thing I need to see that I think could really help lead this team to a to a great season as I just want to see a little bit crisper decision making on the field just guys who are moving with a little bit more intention if you will and attention to detail specifically in uh, particular plays and instances yeah well I, I like that but first and foremost for me I want guys to be healthy eh, Boom. Fair. first and foremost <laughs> very fair very very fair yeah injury injury bug has definitely been a problem and you hope that that gets worked on moving forward. Another thing that I think would be really, really beneficial for this Oregon team is just a little bit of time to, to reflect. I think a little reflection on, Hey, we're here, but we're not just here for no reason. We're here because of everything that came before and everything that we're working towards. And I think that a, a little bit of context might be very helpful moving forward. Well, bye week is certainly a lot of time to, to do that. And uh, coming off a loss, there's a lot of stuff you can think about. But I, I really hope that they do move on, that we don't see any kind of sputtering early on uh, at any position, particularly with C.J. Verdella. We're going to have to find a way to get the running game going. And uh, you don't want to see too many carries for just die alone. So I want to see those carries spread around with these young backs. And uh, I, I again, I around <laughs> with these young guys, we need to see People step up in all positions and, uh, and you know, that's that's going to be really encouraging if they do. I completely agree with you guys like McGee and Cardwell and even Benson just 
getting those young guys some action, I think will be really huge for this Oregon team. I also think on the defensive side as well, you've got a defensive unit that has played very well at times, but has also been a little sloppy at times as well. I would like to see that consistency really become a little more so. With about 15 seconds left, I want to continue to see our special teams unit be effective and a weapon for us out there. More MV Snee, please. What is it? What's the saying, Nick? Special teams? Be special. Oh, man, that's the perfect way to wrap our lightning yellow round. That's uh, that's where we just get two minutes to just get our thoughts out there, easy and open. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy that. Let us know down in the comments or uh, on Twitter at Once a Duck. So, oh, man. Well, we've got a Cal team coming in here, and uh, the thing that might concern me a little more than just this particular team, because they're coming in off a tough season, but it's just that it's Cal and it's a Friday night. That just gives me nervousness, and I really hope to see this team completely overcome that, make it not even a thing, but just in my own personal experiences, that's just something that I know makes me nervous. Even though I've had a win on a Friday night, maybe it was a Thursday night against Cal, but uh, that was uh, that was still one that was oh, not something I uh, I like to think about because those games are always so frustrating as an offensive lineman because Cal's defensive line is not only physical, but they're frustrating. The way those guys always hand fought with us, it was like you'd come out of there with bruises if you didn't layer up an extra level of tape like right around your wrist because they would just be slapping that right down as soon as you were trying to get your hands on an impasse run game. So uh, I just know that at least in my experience, Cal's, especially if it's not on a Saturday, it's one of those ones you mark on the calendar early in the season and go like, we better bring it this week. And you make a very good point. When I think about Oregon-Cal matchups, especially the, uh, the five over your tenure, I think of that difficult game down there, your redshirt year, Masoli struggled. A lot of people struggled. Cal was able to get a win there, but then you blew them out in 09, that obvious famous tough game in 2010. Then the two injury bug games in 11 and 12 with yourself and LaMichael going down in 11 and then Avery, uh, Avery Patterson going down in that 2012 game also down there in Cal. What is it? And I, it's going to sound a little more question answer than I think is usual for this, but I'm just curious, what is presented by that team from Berkeley that makes these matchups so consistently difficult, injury riddled, just strange in every way? Well, there's always been a very clear Cal and Oregon connection in the modern football era ever since Jeff Tedford went there to the, you know, right now you've got Wilcox. And if you don't, you know, pretty easy to see the uh, the Oregon to uh, Cal lines and even my own offensive offensive line coach himself, Steve Greatwood, uh, you know, when the new staff came in, he went down to Cal for a couple of years and just retired a couple of years back. And, uh, you know, it, there's always been that connection. So it's always felt like they've kind of had us figured out or their schemes were always difficult. I know personally the one I remember most like we were just talking about that 2011 game uh, before even the Michael went down uh, and I went down ah not going to talk about it we're just gonna they had enough injuries this year so move on if you want to hear about that go back to our Cal episode last year talked about it in depth for sure but uh, I I I remember that they had a very interesting scheme where they played their defensive tackle and slash types the guys that were in three techniques back off the ball almost as if it were the Canadian Football League about three yards back but their nose tackle was so close so that when we ran our power play and we pulled the guard on the back side to the front side that backside defensive tackle would just run around the nose tackle. 
and you'd have to either chase him down, which was very difficult and angle, and then run right into the nose tackle and almost ruin the center's block on the nose tackle. Or the best thing you could probably do is go cut off the backside backer, who's already accounted for scheme-wise anyway. So it was just little things like that that just frustrated the hell out of you because you thought, well, if we just ran inside zone or, or just a really quick hit play right there off the edge, they're not going to be able to actually be able to set the edge there with anything other than an outside linebacker, which you can scheme out with formation. So little things like that, very frustrating. And then physical football games make uh, some physical injuries, dinks and bumps become uh, bigger things when you're, you're, you're playing another physical team and everybody's hitting really hard. And like we saw with Stanford, you know, those things will happen more or more likely to happen when you're playing a big physical team. But the, the key to not getting injured in those moments is number one, having that already built in your practice regimens and going into those practice weeks, we always brought up the physicality a little bit, you know, faceless opponent or not. It always felt like particularly the year I had with coach Pilati, it was like Cal is physical. We have to be in a physical mindset when we play them. So things that just, you know, did in practice to just get everybody's mentality up was just to drive competition at the end of practice, put team, uh, you know, the team in some different scenarios, you know, goal line scenarios, things where you just got to tough and gut it out at the end of practice and, you know, get one or two reps of those in, not too many, but just, just put guys in situations where they're going to feel comfortable when you get in the game like that. So those were things that we always did. And, uh, you know, the best thing you can do to avoid injury is uh, be the hammer, not the nail. You know, if you go out there with any hesitancy at all, it's uh, it's you're more likely to have injury. And the best way to prevent that is to just practice at that tempo. And I don't think you're wrong at all. And I think that the, the trend of strange Cal games has continued and it's still continued. I've seen plenty of them since I've been here at Oregon and each one of them has been strange, whether it was the, Pac-12 season opener my freshman year a game in which Oregon won but you saw Justin Herbert go down unfortunately with what was a collarbone injury that next year he the team looked very very strong coming out winning at Cal but then the next two years 2019 and 2020 two very difficult strange games both games in which Oregon only scored 17 points 2019 it was at home it was against a Cal defense that was tremendous that entire season game was tight going into the fourth quarter it took a Jalen red touchdown on that beautiful little in and out screen pass that we'd seen from Cristobal team several times to get in the end zone there and then last season a really really strange game and that's the only way that that game can really feel like being described I've gone back and rewatched it just to see did was it that weird did I yes it was an outstandingly odd ball game Oregon looked good when they came out. It was 17 to seven at halftime. You felt all right about it. No points. The entire second half for the Oregon offense, zero. The final score of that game was 21 to 17. And it especially was a bummer because those gray uniforms were pretty nice. And I hate to have that taste in my mouth whenever I think about them. But the truth of the matter is something about Berkeley, and you mentioned those connections to Oregon, whether it was Tedford or Wilcox now, somebody who is deeply entrenched in Oregon football history and you know is at least himself, if not getting his entire team up for that ball game. Always it presents a difficult, difficult matchup. 
I don't think we're going to see anything different. You mentioned this game isn't on a Saturday. The only couple of games I can think of against Cal that have in any way resembled normal have been games that were maybe even earlier in some beautiful sunshine. We're not going to get that. It's going to be nighttime. It's going to be 730. It's going to be late. Autzen will be rowdy, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. But it definitely feels like another instance where we're going to get another strange meeting between the Ducks and the Golden Bears. Well, and you know it's going to be extra rowdy because I'm going to be there. I'm coming down, and uh, you know uh, we'll we'll bring the noise. We'll make uh, we'll make Cal Fall start a little bit, a couple times. I think uh, that's uh, that's something I'm hoping for. And this Cal team, especially, it seems like looking at past games, they can be prone to shooting themselves in the foot. While they'll keep it close a lot, we've seen them lose to Nevada this season, 22-17, uh, lost to TCU, 34-32. They lost to UW in overtime. Come on. They had a streak going. I wanted to see it. And then last week, they lose to Wazoo, 21 to 6. And I I was really surprised by that because I hadn't watched a lot of Wazoo football. But all I'd heard was Rolo's on the hot seat. You know, things are in trouble. And, you know, here in Washington, it's all about vaccination with Rolo. So I didn't know how bad Wazoo really was doing. But then I saw that score and I thought, what happened man absolutely and another thing that's worth pointing out is that both of these teams are coming off a bye week Oregon doesn't play last week they've got extra time to marinate that Stanford loss the same thing for Cal they've got extra time as well they're having a weekend off before playing this Friday night matchup have you ever been in that situation where both teams have a bye coming into it and if so what does that really present both for players and for coaches in terms of kind of preparation? Well, first, I want to say props to the Pac-12 for scheduling, because I don't think I've ever had that um, unless it was like a, a an Oregon State game. I think we may have had one of those where like, you know, I think, well, no, I think instead it was just uh, play it the day after Thanksgiving a couple times. But uh, yeah, usually the way bye weeks were, it was always felt like a team was getting an advantage and uh, or even with the shortened week, it always felt like, oh, man, if one team's on Saturdays playing a later game, you know, they have that much less time to study if someone played a morning game, all those little things. But yeah, props to the Pac-12 in scheduling, because I think that's great when you have a Friday game and you're going to get the best Friday game if you give the teams, both teams, that little bit of extra time. So uh, I think that uh, at least props to them for that. But when you are playing a team that's coming off a bye, they have that much more time to look at every single rep you've had already this season and vice versa. So there's some weirdness that can happen sometimes when you overstudy an opponent, or maybe you expect something that you go out there and because the other opponent has so much time to prepare, they've come up with a completely different game plan from what you've seen on film. So those are some of those things like, I'm talking about, you know, the schematically, I don't think we saw on film just how far those defensive ends were. And it was like shocking when we got on the field. It's like, hold on, I got to I got to run and chase this guy down to block him. And so that that's the kind of thing. It's like, oh, you get out there and maybe they scheme that up. Maybe they had a little bit of extra time. But when you have so much extra time to prepare and you give usually give guys a couple of days off with a bye week like that. But the coaches never have a day off. You know, if they're not recruiting, they're out there game planning and you can spend a lot of time trying to uh, outthink yourself. But if you really just stick to what you do best, maybe throw in a wrinkle or here or there. Like I think I remember us uh, 
doing in 2009, which we'll talk about later after our guests. But uh, man, there is just a lot that you can do to overthink things that I think you just got to take that bye week and get back to the basics, get back to your routine and get guys healthy and then get back as soon as it's, you know, a normal game week. Uh, well, you bump everything back a day. You treat Sunday like a Monday. By the time Friday comes around, you're ready to go just like it's a Saturday. I think that's that's going to be great to see from both teams. And uh, since both teams get those conditions, I, I don't think it'll have an impact ultimately on the outcome of the game. One thing that I think will definitely have an impact on this game, and it's something that we mentioned earlier, but I, I, it can't be stressed enough, Oregon this season – has really gotten bit by that injury bug. We, we've talked about it over and over and over again. This week, you've got some guys who are going to be back. You've got some players who are hoping to get more in the mix of things a little bit. But even more interestingly, you've got a lot of young players who, because of those injuries, have gotten reps that maybe you weren't expecting them to get. And a couple of guys who are on the verge of maybe burning that red shirt. From your perspective, when we're when when you're looking at a team like Oregon with the amount of talent they have, young or old, are you concerned about those red shirts the same way as you might have been about an, another Oregon team of years past? Or at this point, is it really just get the talent on the field? Well, when you look at this roster, I think it's really important to remember that we do not have a lot of upperclassmen, particularly now with all the injuries. And uh, we have to, at this point, expect we're going to burn some red shirts and honestly if you're thinking about it why worry about it too much I think there are some guys you definitely know that if you've seen them in practice and they aren't ready you're not going to put them in a bad situation coaches just won't do that because it's bad for everybody but you, the guys you know you could rely on out there they've got to get game reps and uh, the important thing is is really more just how can we go into each week prepared and you know home game not as important i think well you know but you've really got to think about travel rosters now that we're in the pac-12 season and who are you bringing you know what what's your uh too deep and uh you know those depth charts or organizational charts as we call them now uh you know wh where you get working guys around there and i think that takes priority over what you're really planning for red shirts now there's some positions like quarterback where that's obviously going to have a little bit priority over others or even offensive linemen if you see a guy coming in like i early on was not developed physically enough i came in first summer didn't have the adaptation i wanted to the conditioning program essentially just lost a ton of weight just doing all the running we had to do to keep up and uh, i was only hanging around 280 pounds as a freshman and you know maybe back then that could have possibly got on the field but i knew i needed a year just to physically develop and uh get used to the the number one the level of contact of of just big brutal guys on the offensive and defensive lines in the college your body has to adjust to that so i know a lot of people have been wondering particularly why certain guys on the offensive line are able to transition faster sometimes it's just body development and guys that have spent a lot of time in the weight room like we're seeing we talk it comes up every week now but jackson powers johnson is a guy that's just stout built seems ready to go out there and you know the mental part of the game he can pick up as he goes and more and more game reps are just going to get him going better so hopefully we get alex forsyth back if not might see that same rotation we ended up seeing at stanford so uh i, th I just think it's really important that 
you know, we don't worry too much until we start looking, you know, later into the season, keeping track of guys. Cause I, I think they've actually been pretty conservative with playing the guys that they have. Um, you know, there, there are, a, like we said, quarterback, it feels like we could be getting a couple guys in there in other games, but you gotta, you gotta rely on the guys you take on the road. And then, uh, you know, at home, get guys repped where you can be smart about it, put them in good situations. And if you think you can, they can help you win the football game, that's when you put them in. I couldn't agree with you more, Nick. And I think that especially one position, we quickly mentioned it in the lightning yellow round, but I feel like it's worth diving into a little bit. That running back position, when you have a guy, the caliber of CJ Verdell, and I was talking with somebody this week. I think if you take a guy with the skill, the talent, the, the, the sheer ability of CJ Verdell, I, I can picture him in those offenses you played in being an absolute game wrecker and we've seen it happen in his time here at Oregon but my goodness he is probably the guy that if I had to say put one guy on another team in Oregon history he's way up there in terms of somebody who really could go for a thousand fifteen hundred yards in a season so many touchdowns he's really that good a running back when you lose a guy like that it's obviously going to hurt You've got Travis Dye, a ton of experience, a ton of reps, a ton of touchdowns, a ton of touches, a ton of yards in his career. He's just a mentally tough, physically tough guy. You know that you have someone like him you can rely on. But when you are a run-loving team like Oregon is, and Mario Cristobal teams will always love to run the ball because he's just a punch-in-the-mouth kind of guy, which I really do appreciate. You're going to have to have some kind of rotation right there. It's silly to think you wouldn't. People's bodies just can't handle that. Not regular human beings, at least. Most people on this planet, including a lot of them that play football, really couldn't handle that. So I think you are going to have to see a lot of these younger players. And I think that what we're going to see is very situational use for each of these guys. First and foremost, I have a hard time thinking Benson, Seven McGee, or... Cardwell are able to keep any of their red shirts. I'm sure they're all blown out by the end of the season. Cardwell's proven to be a really good player who can just get out there. And when you need someone who can pick up some yards or someone who can get some plays under his belt, he's a great guy to do it. A seven McGee, he's a big play guy. You have him coming out of the backfield to make a catch either on a screen or up over the middle, or he's somebody that you give it to on like a draw play, something where he can get some space and really move, use that athleticism. Trey Benson absolute hammer he's number one because he's guaranteed to pick you up at least one yard because he's fallen forward that's the kind of guy you want in the red zone or on those third down situations I don't know if you're going to fully agree but I think those all three of those guys are going to need to be used probably as I said situationally but we'll see a lot of them moving forward so I I think I agree on all points Uh, well first and foremost I want to say you know again sure sucks that we've seen CJ Verdell's career as a duck and, you know, we wish him the best going forward. Hope we can get him on the show because uh, it's been fun watching him and uh, you know, uh, we wish him the best moving forward as always, but I do have one objection about your commentary there about our backfield. You missed Travis Dye's best trait. And that's that mustache, my friend. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't go without throwing it's, it's that phenomenal. out there. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. As, as you know, trying to model after uh, one of the, uh, my favorite mustaches of all time, coach Bilotti uh, and having my own, my senior year. Uh, I, I got to throw that out there for you, but Hey, I know I'm excited. I, I can't wait to be there Friday. Speaking of coach Bilotti going to be unveiling his 
plaque for the hall of fame to go outside right outside the casanova center there you know with the uh the likes of the norm van brocklins of the world the uh it's going to be fantastic to see that the coach that brought me in brought me in to be an oregon duck and uh, also brought our next guest uh into the program and that's terrell turner representing the defensive line baby i can't wait one more guy that beat me up every single day we're having on as a third one this season sam what's going on with that I really am a fan of it. I think that the more the more people we can get in here that gave you bumps and bruises, the better. Also, I do definitely feel bad because if if Coach Bellotti is going to be in the building for that plaque unveiling, he's going to have one of us at his heels going, Coach, Coach, get on the podcast. We want you on the podcast. Come get in here. Get on the Zoom call. I, I feel bad. It's, it's going to happen, but you know we're going to have to try to recruit to get him in here. But in all seriousness, it's so much fun to get a guy like Terrell in here, someone who's got such great perspective on both – football and life someone who's succeeded both on the field and in the business world and I really think that he really is the perfect hard-nosed guest for this kind of a week especially against Cal well let's set it up one-on-one or well, two-on-one I finally got a guard to help me out that can uh help me the a little lock, undersized lock, a little undersized I, I think I think we're uh, all old enough that your youth will make up for it man you just got you just got to get one of us old guys right in the right spot in the shin uh, you know, take the take the ten yard penalty, but you'll be good from there. <laughs> and on that note, Terrell Turner, everyone. All right, everyone. This week, I knew following up Joey Harrington, we had to get someone not only special that could bring up the mood and make us laugh, but somebody that understood that going into Cal Week, just how tough and physical those games end up being. And the first guy I thought of, Terrell Turner, number forty-five in your programs, number one in your hearts, baby. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> How you doing? I appreciate it. I'm good. I'm good, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. Well, the first thing I got to ask you is, you know, the what comes to mind Cal Week for you? When you just think going into a Cal game, especially on a Friday night, what's that remind you of? I think you hit it on the head. I mean, uh, I remember Cal being really, really physical. I mean, they were always, I mean, we all know uh, O-linemen and D-linemen. Lower man always wins. Dude, Cal would always be offensive line stance would be so low and they would fire off the ball. So for me, I always knew that, of course, I was physical because, of course, we're playing in a Pac-10 slash Pac-12. Yes, I'm seasoned that much. It's the Pac-10 and Pac-12 that these guys would always fire off the ball. They were a running team, um, of course, and they were physical. So, of course, uh, you know, as the D-line, we had to be uh, meet their – uh, physicality and make sure that we were able to match it. And I mean, it all starts up front anyway. So I, I just thought, you know, as long as I can bring that intensity that I have every week, but making sure that I stay low, it'll be a good, it'll be a good game. Terrell, we always like to ask people about their journey to Oregon and everybody has an individual one. What brought number 45 to Eugene? What, what, what made you end up putting on green and yellow? Oh, man, that's a great question, dude. I tell this story all the time in the business world because they're like, how would you choose Oregon being from L.A.? Uh, it was really the family atmosphere, dude. I had a Spencer Pacinger as my um, uh, recruiting host. And, I mean, he just showed me. He's from L.A. as well. And he, he showed me the, the day in the life as a student athlete and, and how, although it's a small town in Eugene, Oregon, everybody has each other's backs. Uh, it's family oriented um, and it's it's green. It rains a lot, but it's just beautiful out. And um, I, I did not know that we would do what we did there. Uh, and I mean that for the football program. So I, I'm, I was just excited that I made that choice to go over 
uh, to Eugene and, and play for the Ducks. Yeah. And you were there during, you know, a significant time, a year older than me, and you got there with uh, our good uh, pal from the show, Darian Weems, uh, oh, yeah. he, who's always described you as a, as one of the biggest jokers on the team. And uh, you, I really felt like you were a huge glue for that defensive line as we transitioned over from Bilotti to Chip Kelly and just had yeah. waves of guys coming in during games that were just ready. Uh, what yeah. was it like being a leader for some of those Chip Kelly teams and uh, particularly the transition to Coach Azanero from Coach Gray? What was that like for you in particular and, you know, ascending to a leadership role in that group? I would compare it to gladiators and competing every day. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's things on the life skills that the coaches was bringing to us, but they took the time to really care. You know, there, there's always, there's coaches now that I'm out of uh, college. Of course, I see coaches and there's coaches that are media coaches and then that are players coaches. And I felt with that transition, uh, uh, Chip Kelly and his crew were all players coaches and they truly cared about us. So we wanted to buy in and play our asses off for those guys. And that's what technically happened. Uh, I love Coach Az. Of course, he's over at UCLA. We got UCLA this week. So, I, of course, you know who I'm rooting for. But um, I, I just love Coach Az because the, the, I felt like, you know, I was a young man uh, when I met Coach Az. And when I graduated from the University of Oregon and I was done, I for sure was a man just based off of how he treated us the knowledge he instilled in us, the confidence, the, the swagger, um, everything he brought to the table allowed me personally uh, to go out there and perform on a, um, um, a high level like the Pac-12 deserved. Terrell, we always like to look back at uh, big games that have gone on between teams, especially the week leading up. Oregon Cal, there's so many games that come to mind, but the number one game that comes to every fan mind from, from y'all's era was that trip down to Cal 2010 hard fought defensive ball game the whole time. Everybody has some different takeaways and memories from that evening. What really sticks out to you? What do you remember from that trip to Berkeley? That we had to fight <laughs> and, 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 you know, uh, let's be real. A lot of players have those teams in their mind before they're going to play to say, man, I'm not worried about them like the Wazoos. And they always gave us that trouble and Cal actually, because we knew we were, you know, more of a higher uh, Pac-12 team. Um, you had the, the, the Oregons, the uh, ASUs, the Arizonas, the UCLAs, whoever that was. We knew everybody would get up for us because we had a target on our back. So I felt like more um, that we, you know, wanted to make sure that we showed up and showed out and we had to fight and nobody would roll over for us. So we had to make sure that we were doing everything we practiced during the week to just go out there and finish, you know, like uh, everybody seen when Chip Kelly was there, uh, not only win the day, but fast forward and finish. We gotta, we gotta finish uh, the, the, the day so we can win the day, you know, and that's what Chip Kelly used to live off of. Yeah, exactly. And you're like you said, in a couple of weeks here, UCLA, we'll see if he still can against the duckies, but yeah. uh, moving and you're going to love this transition here. Uh, those Cal games always stood out, you know, but your senior year, it wasn't quite exactly a matchup, but it was a weird night. I know that because yeah. that's, that's the only tackle I've had in my career. We threw an interception and I had to go yeah. try and grab some shoelaces. But uh, uh, that season, you actually led the defensive line in tackles with all the studs that we had. Uh, it, what was it like just, you know, being that leader, you know, in what to us at the time was the biggest game uh, in Oregon history? Yeah. Well, 
man, you, you bring it back memories. You know how we get as former athletes. I'm, I'm looking for the next person I see. I'll go one on ones with them right now behind the with the ocean in the background. That'd be a good. Let's view. go. But, Let's but, go. But, exactly. <laughs> but no, seriously, I, I felt that I owed it to the D line and Oregon because we had the Will Tapapu, the Kenny Rose, the the Rashawn Harris, which was Sonny, the big dogs that went in there and bawled out. And at that time, we all had our time when we were freshmen. We don't know what it takes and things of that sort. So for me, I felt like I put that sweat equity in once I figured it out mentally with the help of Coach Azanero, with the help of the, the veterans that left prior to me. And it was just something that I felt that the passion in me for football and the skill that we continue to drill every day in our fast-ass practices, you know, that stuff helped us really – go out and prepare and, and, and be game ready. And for me, I mean, I just felt like because, you know, you see the D linemen nowadays, Nick, they're, they're, you're your size at D line. Come on, bro. I'm, I'm half that size. You know, I'm maybe, maybe six, three, you know, give me six, three, about two sixty five. Um, and these guys are six, six, you know, uh, two eighty, running four fives. And so for me, it was all heart, man. I wanted to make sure that even though they saw a guy that might have been smaller, had shorter arms, I don't care. This, this it, It's going to be a battle because that's the reason why I'm here and that's the reason why you're there. The best players will play. And that's where I felt I was there. I had to make sure that I had to make statements on behalf of the Oregon D-line, uh, along with, of course, our other teammates and our boys that would make, you know, uh, um, an impact on the game as well. So for me, I, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to make some plays because I remember coming in freshman year like, man, can I do this thing? Can I actually do this thing? And absolutely you can, man. Absolutely you can. So, yeah, I, I, I think for me it's just heart. Um, and I just – I was a student of the game and I was able to make a ton of plays just based off being a student of the game. Terrell, one of those plays that you made that sticks out in my mind and will really stick out in my mind for a long time just because I remember I took the still image and had my dad blow it up so I could put it on the wall. It was that interception early in the game against Oregon State. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. It was it was like on the cover of the newspaper, you hands up in the air, pulling that ball in. Really one of my favorite memories. I remember being like at a movie theater watching that ball game that day. It was so much fun. That play specifically, when you see that ball coming out of Cody Vaz's hands, it gets tipped up, it's in the air. What's that moment like when you're like, I can go get this thing? Well, it brought back our basketball days, right? I used to play uh, power forward and center. So I'm like, hey, it's a jump ball. First thing in the air, I need to go get it. Now, here's the thing, you know, uh, I saw a tip. I wanted to jump. I didn't know I was that high. And, and, and for me being, you know, 265 pounds, but with shoulder pads and helmet, when you look at that picture, I am pretty high. So I, I, I feel like I'm kind of like LeBron in the air sometimes, but no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, I, I mean, you know, in the game, your instinct is to immediately react. Right. So for me, I wanted to continue to uh, uh, do what we were trained for. And we practiced so many different scenarios where it was a tip ball, uh, a fumble, whether it was a city fumble or a country fumble, we had to make sure that we reacted to it. And, and for me, I saw the ball and I wanted to get it. And I just wish everybody blocked for me. So I could have got a touchdown too, but Hey, I'll take the interception. <laughs> so I, I love that. Before I ask my next question, I got to have you explain to all our non-football guys there what's the difference between a city and a country fumble, my friend. Even offensive I, guys, we forget this stuff. 
Yeah, so city fumble, you think about the city is saturated with people, which means if the ball is around and you got seven to eight people, whether they're on your team or not, around the ball, you got to fall on that. It's in the city. It's too saturated. And if you're in the country, you're kicking the weeds, the tumbleweeds rolling by, you scoop and score that. You got plenty of time, uh, you know, in your stride to bend on down, scoop it, take it to the house. So, yeah, that's the difference between the city and the country fumble. Love it, man. See, that's the kind of education you get with the yeah. Once a Duck podcast that you can't get anywhere else. But you you, you lightly touched on my next question is uh, the kind of players that we're getting now. I, I knew I was in trouble when DeForest and Armstead came in. Like, I was like, oh, oh wow. But yeah, I want to know from my next question, with all the re- elite recruits we're getting on the offensive and defensive line, who would be in more trouble having to go through the recruiting process and start as a freshman over again right now, you or me? <laughs> Oh, hey, 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 Nick, Nick, you know that based off size alone, dude. Like, dude, you will be the smallest guard, tackle, center on the line, whatever you want it to be. Dude, I probably would have to gain like 40 pounds and just play nose guard, dude. That's how it would be, dude. That's, and and for me, I wouldn't mind because, of course, uh, every D lineman knows the fast, I mean, the closer you get to the ball, the faster you get, especially if you're on the edge or anything, because you've got that niche but yeah man i i yeah that was a great question that you i would have a hard time being recruited right now brother they'd be knocking on your door still me they'll just be like hey man we got a job over here in the equipment room i'm like hey i'll take it (laughs) (laughs) i'll take it i'll take it sticking with the theme of kind of these uh these current teams how much have you been able to uh keep up with oregon football and if you've been able to uh keep up to some uh some extent what have you really seen out of this team this year particularly well, this, this year, is, I, 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 of course, go Ducks, right? Uh, I, I, I bleed green. Um, not really, but I do. And I, I try to watch as much as I can. I got two kids, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm working, you know? So, so as much as I can, I'm watching a Ducks football game, um, and I'm catching it as much as I can. But um, for me, I feel like these guys that they have have so much talent, so much talent. But the one thing I always remember, because Nick, of course, can contest to this, you got to work to be at the top. You can't expect it all to be super easy, man. And and for for those guys, of course, they unfortunately uh, uh, lost one. Um, but but it's it's okay. It's it's how you rebound. It's how you come back and and show what you've actually been working on to be that better of a player. To say, hey, we'll bounce back and don't don't count us out. Well, you know, you can make it to the Pac-12 championship with one loss. You can make it to the national championship with one loss. You can make it to the Rose Bowl with one loss. It's exactly what you do after it. So for me, I'm, I'm really tough on our guys when people are talking to me about duck football because I'm like, Nick knows we had to battle it out and, and handle uh, adversity on the road in our house uh, with the number one team or somebody that's no longer ranked or never been ranked. We still had to go out there and compete. So for these guys, I'm just hoping that they can go back and, and always go into the film room hit the weights, get faster, stronger, and stay on the, the common goal, and that's to be the best. And I think uh, the coach now is uh, – he, he's a great man. He's a, he's a leader for those young men, and I feel like uh, he, he's in a, on the right page to get these guys to be at the top of the pack like we should be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all about if these teams can take these and make them learning and teaching moments instead of moments that you regret and haunt you forever and winding it all back, winding it all back to our good old Cal memories. I think uh, one that Chip always reminded us of is 2009 against Cal where game opens up. 
exactly how you don't want it. Your star corner mm-hmm. returns the ball, goes down. Cal gets an easy field goal out of it. And you know what? Yep. A lot of teams right then and there would have folded in. A lot of fans were probably getting nervous looking at their ticket like, oh, man, should I get out of here? But we yeah. right then and there just whooped their ass. From that yeah. point out, it was done. We just boat yeah. raced them. I think 43 to 3 was the final score. But uh, I remember people just going off that day. And I, I remember we all learned something about just toughness. And what, what's some that you take away from that game in particular? Um, I, once again, uh, Cal is a physical team. Being tough, being able to finish. And, and I tell the owners I work with now, the reason why I compete is what I went through in college. We, we had to compete every day, every play. With If you had a great game, Chip would still make you be like, oh, you, you're in a boot this week? Okay, you won't be playing this week unless you can go back out there and compete. And so for me, I feel like as long, as long as people can compete, we will win. And I don't mean, I mean that, of course, for the Ducks, but I mean that in life as former student-athletes through the transition, the, the, um, the athletes that are there now, just compete. At the end of the day, just compete, and you will get the best out of yourself and that opponent. And if they're slacking, good. Good for them. You just dominate, dominated their ass, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Love it. Terrell, we understand that there's plenty of uh, life, kids, work, everything going on. But that being said, when was the last time you were able to get up to Eugene, and when do you think the Ooh. next time you'll be able to uh, be in Austin will be? Oh, man. I was all hoping to make it for the alumni game, uh, but it's uh, happened to be on Halloween weekend and my little daughter, that's almost three. She's actually excited for Halloween this year. So I can't let her down, man. I can't make it this year. But the last time I was there, I went to the alumni game uh, prior to COVID. Um, and it was great because I got to see all the, the, the guys and we got to see the atmosphere and, and genuinely being on the field without the pads and the shoulder, uh, I mean, the helmet, the shoulder pads and things of that sort. It was, it was surreal, man. I mean, it, it just brought back so many memories. And as I tell my clients and friends and families about the experiences at Oregon, having that that fan base in the Pac Northwest and being super loud, it was it was a blessing because it really felt like gladiators. You get up, make a play, or your buddy next to you make a play, or our offense is scoring tons of points and the crowd's going crazy. That's what you care about, man. That's what you care about. It, and just you see other people, other student athletes giving their all just like you do. It's just it was just amazing. Super amazing. Yeah. We'll each ask uh, one more question each, I think. Well, uh, yeah, one more question each, I think. But I'm going to jump in on Sam's usual favorite question. What's your favorite Oregon uniform combination? Oh, man. Ooh. We might I might have to go. Mm. Oh, man, that black and yellow was sick, man. I, I hey, anything. Look, is your jersey black? It is. Let's get it. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Hey, black and yellow is fire, man, because we used to slap that uh, with the leaf all the time. Black and yellow, black and yellow. Uh-huh. You know what it is. Hey, yep. everything we do, we do it big. And that's <laughs> what we did, man, you know. So, it, for me, it was a black and yellow. But I got to say, the chrome helmets, we started that with the Rose Bowl my senior year. So, I, I love the chrome helmets that came through. Uh, but the black and yellow for sure is beautiful. And I think, shoot, everything they did after I left, I was very jealous of. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Everything they're doing now, Nick, I know we're all very jealous of their swag. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. this year. For sure. For sure. Terrell, the last thing I'll ask, and it's, it's a football question, but it's also a life question. 
when you are in that in that position that you mentioned, that position of kind of transition, if you will, moving from kind of one stage to another, whether it is being an athlete and moving into the professional environment or just being a student and moving to a professional environment, what do you think the biggest takeaways that you got out of sport were? And what do you think the value of athletics, whether it is football or it's any other sport, really is and what impact it has on somebody who's young and developing? Everybody has different values of passion right so my passion happens to show because i'm a big guy i'm loud and people buy into that i just say if you're a student athlete or a former student athlete and you're passionate meaning that you're making an effort to win to stay on a team to compete with your brothers and be uh one of the best at your position whether it's soccer volleyball golf basketball whatever it is when you transition into the real world, take that same thought process, being passionate, understanding no matter who gets in front of you, you're going to have to outwork that person to get exactly what you want. And genuinely, I have fun. I literally compare it in the business world to saying as a student athlete, that was tough to juggle multiple classes, being the top, you know, trying to start in a, a division one college or being a backup, like understanding the playbook, doing this, doing that. And then you have the real world where people just want to work with you or help you. Uh, uh, that is a huge blessing. And for me, I was very blessed to be on a team with my brothers like Nick Cody and the Darian Weems and the Kenny Rose because we were all passionate enough to say, hey, in the real world, let's keep this up. And I know personally, I feel like my success that I'm uh, stumbled up onto, uh, into in the business world is all driven by being a former student athlete and not being afraid and, you know, being used to communicating all the time, whether it's with a teammate or a trainer or a coach or anything like that. Uh, there's just so many different life skills that you can uh, take away from being a student athlete that I think if you have an opportunity, even for a young man or a young woman that wants to walk on and just be a part of, you know, that team, whether it's D1, D2, JC, whatever it is, be a part of it. Don't be afraid of it because student athletes will uh, uh, rise above any other uh, um, normal person because we've actually faced a lot of adversity for sure. Awesome. Well, and digging into your passions to end this, what is one thing outside of football that you miss most about Eugene? Uh, outside of football? Yeah. Okay. Last time I went, uh, doko <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I, a place. I had a, i had a feeling man because i I, 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 I might i'm probably gonna go down for the cow game so i'm thinking the same thing i'm like i might have to go get some doko but then i'm like pop is too or hawaiian yeah, time or, oh, oh, bro. oh track town pizza and doko those <laughs> yeah. two right i was a d lineman i gotta eat man big dogs gotta eat so for me i felt like those two i missed that but really i missed the greenery my wife is actually from oregon so we're up in Portland pretty often seeing um, the uh, my in-laws and things of that sort. So, uh, you know, I would love to get to Eugene more. I think that will happen as my kids get older because, of course, you don't have to worry about them falling asleep on the game because it's game time when them ducks are playing. We got to watch. Everybody got to be aware. So, so, but, yeah, man, it, it probably is the food, of course, a D lineman. Every answer. <laughs> yep. It's the right answer, too. And uh, thank you for your time. And uh, hopefully we can catch you down in Eugene sometime. Set up another one-on-one battle. We'll, uh, one we'll work one. it out. I like it. <laughs> All right. Sounds All right, good, man. bro. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Go Ducks, baby. What's well, a duck? Always a duck. Thanks, Terrell. Always. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Go Ducks.
Well, if you thought Joey Harrington taught you everything you needed to know about Oregon football history last week, I think Terrell Turner just caught you up on the life lesson. I know, man, I haven't had the, uh, the uh, life manual out for a while, but uh, I think he took care of us for that uh, the whole season so far with uh, that little bit there. And great question from you, Sam. I love that when we get outside of football or even better when we translate football to life. And hey, man, nobody does it better than Terrell Turner. Man, what a great guest. And can I just say, I am so bummed out there was no NIL when you were playing because the Terrell Turner Doco ad would just be so fantastic. I'm so bummed oh. out that that was never something that we got got a chance to see. I'd be battling him for that. But as soon as he got it, you know me, I move on. I'd got the Hawaiian Times, Voodoo Donuts, Eugene. Uh, well, then nowadays, I probably, I don't, probably not as good as my days, but uh, lots of options. Track Town, good one. Papa's Pizza for the whole line and uh, many many breweries that i would bet and i'm still interested in if they're listening <laughs> so hey, hey we, will, we will happily sell your product on our podcast i'm all, i'm already pitching it on the crack and one open podcast most of the times it's usually a eugene beer buddy so if, it, if it's not a seattle beer it's a eugene beer for me and we could we can make it a more regular thing that's for sure but moving on cal we had a little bit of conversation about it and uh you know, we had, I had some epic games against Cal and uh, I had some eh, not so memorable games, but my favorite one, of course, we talked about it with Terrell is that 2009 Cal game. We were sitting here going back and forth. Uh, Ed Dixon had a day and I remember going into that game and I think I might've talked about it in our podcast last season, but I just remember that week we had them schemed up and we had a whole bunch of little extra plays or counters off plays. We, we had run earlier in the season that set up Ed Dixon for huge screen plays and uh, big touchdowns down the middle. What do you remember from that game? Well, first and foremost, I, I hate to be the corrector of all, of all things, but you know, that, as you mentioned in the interview, you said 43-3. It was 42-3. to three. You're only off by one. That's really not bad. It's really not bad at all, especially someone who's been out of school as long as you have. I don't, I don't blame you at all for being one I, off right there. I'm putting in all the blame on all the hits Terrell Turner has given me, that he gets the blame for this one. And it's the, for that, we're keeping this one out of the swear jar. I, I threw enough down last week. Oh, we both did. We, I, I think we both <laughs> lost everything. That being said, man, it was – I remember that 2009 game so well at the time I was 10 years old. And that was really the first time that I remember independently being like, no, on this Saturday, I am watching the Oregon game. I don't care what anybody else is. Doing. I'm going to sit down. It's going to be at 1230. It's going to be on channel two in Portland. I'm going to watch Jeremiah Masoli and the ducks take on Cal. And I remember that first drive Cal went down and kicked a field goal. And I just went, Oh boy, that was, that was real quick and easy. But then right after that, my, Goodness, Oregon goes down, kicks a field goal, gets the ball back way quickly, and my goodness, Ed Dixon got going. His first touchdown, a beautiful play. They had triplets to the bottom, a little fake screen. You had Jeff Mail turn, look, ready for that ball. The entire defense, eyes right there, sucked in, right there. Dead Ed Dixon, post out to the outside, right over the shoulder. Beautiful throw and catch touchdown and that just led the way for what was 42 straight points out of the Oregon Ducks just a really phenomenal performance and it helped that you guys were wearing some awesome 1998 throwback uniforms 
Yeah, I did love those. And uh, yeah, especially with those, I remember, uh, you know, we wore those once against Cal and then later on against Oregon State. Those two games, I always threw on a little extra tape just to give it, you know, a little, little extra forearm pad. I wish I had like the old school forearm shiver pads, but we didn't have those. I wanted to go all old school because those were fantastic. And as beautiful as those uniforms, it was a beautiful day. And as I said, we knew even though we had a bad opening, we gave Cal points, we knew we'd whoop their ass, but we didn't know that that would really be the birth of what would come to be known as like the blur offense or the Chip Kelly tempo, because we'd played up tempo for sure, but with limited success, I would say to that point that season, the Boise State game certainly didn't go how we had planned. Uh, Purdue, the first game I had ever gotten in against, uh, you know, hit or miss, we got the win. They were a tough team with a, a few cupper, couple, a few future NFL studs up front. Uh, but man, Utah even had me nervous because we expected, and this is packed 10 times. So we didn't know Utah was as tough and physical as they were until we got out there on the field. Cause watching film of them, you know, it's like, okay, well, they, they look pretty good, but they look sound and nothing really jumps off the roster at you. But as soon as you got on the field, it was a tough game. And a lot of teams, like I said, probably would have taken that, that first shot in the foot, losing your best defensive player, arguably. And Walter Thurman probably would have folded right there and had a really, really tough day against Cal, but we came out, we knew we executed. I want to see the same thing this week. I want to see that against Cal in a night game with Austin rock and with us there. And I want to see the fan enthusiasm just overcome last week's loss. Give it that little extra time from the bye week to just get your hype up for this game. Cause man, it's going to be really, really important to see how this team bounces back and is resilient. Cause I know we were, and it set us on a trajectory to do really, really special things. I couldn't agree with you more. It's going to be such a fun night. Number one, it's always a fun night when it's a wear black game. There's just something about that energy. That's just so intense and so fun. It has the entire building rocking. Also, you know, it's another Pac-12 matchup. It's been the first home game in two or three weeks. That always feels really good to get everybody back in. They're only the second game with students there this season. That's going to be so much fun. Truthfully, Oregon Cal, it's always a fun matchup. It's always a hard matchup. It's always a tough matchup, but it's always a matchup I look forward to because what's the most fun thing about football, at least from a fan perspective, watching two teams battle it out, and that's always what happens. Well, and uh, in the words of Wiz Khalifa, uh, yeah, you know what it is. Uh, and we always know that those matchups with Cal are always going to be tough, even if it's uh, even if it might be lopsided. I'm always excited. Like there's going to be big plays and big hits. And that's something you just know to expect from these teams. And I think, honestly, uh, looking back at last year, we owe them one. So it would be great to just come out, see a huge Ducks victory. And, uh, you know, just as uh, important as a victory, I would like to see this team comfortably put this team away and Give us an opportunity to get a real nice, clean team shout in. I'd love that. <laughs> you know, that's always fun. One thing I think is going to show up in this game that showed up early in that 0-9 classic against Cal, special teams. And that game, one of the first big special teams plays, besides, of course, the unfortunate kickoff, was, in fact, Nate Costa throwing a two-point conversion to Morgan Flint, that is something you probably would only see during that era of Oregon football and in Eugene specifically, but I could hey, see special kicker, teams. kicker Morgan Flint for those of you younger or unfamiliar viewers. And uh, just so you know, this was probably the smallest kicker we ever had on our roster that I could remember. I mean, I, when he caught that or yeah, when he, when any 
special teamer that doesn't normally get in on offense scores. It's some special, but Morgan, some different, man, some different. And for and for you younger Oregon fans who maybe are, are just checking this out because I bullied you into it, the, the truth of the matter is this Morgan Flint, love Morgan Flint. He would make me look sizable. The dude would make me look sizable. This seeing a guy like that get into the end zone is just so awesome. I'm not saying we'll see a kicker score a touchdown against Cal this week, but I do expect special teams to play a big role, especially when our guy MV Sneed is out there doing the work he does. As Pat McAfee would say, doing it for the brand. Well, as uh, our resident Fat McAfee, I'm going to quote uh, Terrell Turner, or at least reflect on Terrell Turner suggesting uh, you get out there and give it a try as a walk-on, Sam. I think that uh, 6'1 and uh, soft 200 uh, might, might, might be able to make a couple tackles out there. 6'2, <laughs> six, six, and you're not taking that extra inch from me. I need that in my life. I've, well, I've stood next to you Friday. Friday. We'll, 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 we'll remind you. We're going how, back to back. We'll, We'll remind you how tall six five is on a Friday. <laughs> no one's uh, talking about you, you jolly green giant. I'm just saying it'll remind you'll feel six one. You'll feel six one. Trust oh, me. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. As long honestly, as long as I'm over that six foot marker, I really don't care. That's all they're worried well, about. Well, that, that is a big one. That is a big one. But bigger tall, we hope you come up and say hi to us at the game. I know I always appreciate it. Sam, on the other hand, you know, he's got cool stuff to do with the student section, you know, being in front of that, the pit crew. He's got a lot of a lot of plans. Very, very busy guy. So I'm just hoping I can see him. But hey, I'll be easy to find. Uh, you know me. I'm always out there. Uh, yeah pretty hard to miss so uh and uh, i've definitely got something either black or a, a nightmare green but my mom says it's black so I, i'm gonna be wearing a black jersey for sure i'll be ready and uh sam we know we know wardrobe wise you're always ready uh going black and yellow i'm guessing I'm debating anything of going black and yellow or maybe just pulling out the Jordan jersey. It might be a Jordan jersey kind of game, which could also be a very a very fun vibe. But, you know, Nick, I'm never that busy unless Mob Deep is in the building or something like that. You know, I'm going to be uh, – I'll be accessible enough. Hey, with your luck, man, I, I saw you at the Oregon soccer game. You dude, you're still a celebrity. I mean, you, you may joke around, but I mean, the, they, they are, they, they are one of like, you have become this episode. You were like the TMZ of, or the Oregon student section. Everybody's going to get caught on, on, on the photo with you, man. You know what? <laughs> the, the more we can get into the better. I'm just happy to be able to uh, put some other people up on a platform, especially the people who are going to be picking up this mantle here very shortly. But before everybody just turns it off because we're patting ourselves on the back a little bit too much let's just get to some cow breakdowns and predictions you said you wanted it to be a blowout but nick i I hate to tell you i think these oregon cow games are just always so tough and i think this is going to be another one that's going to be probably a lot closer than people are comfortable with i think it's going to be a game where we really do see a defensive battle oregon might be able to put up maybe 10 points in the fourth quarter to stretch it a little bit but without giving too much else away i will say my final score prediction Oregon 27, California 20. I think both teams are kicking a couple of field goals. I just think Oregon's going to get an extra touchdown in there. Yep. Well, this week I'm going to be sending out, uh, along with our early uh, viewing that our VIPs get, they're also going to get our uh, extra a day early. Uh, So this episode we'll be releasing on Thursday for everyone, little little extra day early, so you don't got to watch it on game day. But if you're a VIP, you're going to get it Wednesday, and you're also going to be getting our Oregon extra video with me breaking down a little more analysis from this video and just Cal games in general. But with that, 
Oh, got to give you a prediction, don't I? I, I know I said I want to see a blowout. Now, when I make predictions, I don't do that. And I, I see a Cal team here that's kept teams pretty low scoring so far. So I don't expect to see this football team score, our offensive team score over 20 points, but I'm hoping to get at least one defensive score. Maybe, maybe a fantastic special teams play here or there, but I'm going to go 28-14 Ducks. I think Cal is going to have a hard time. If they had a hard time against Wazoo, man, going into Autzen Stadium, that could be really, really tough, even with a little bit of extra time to prepare. But again, we'll see. And I'll give you a little bit more analysis in that Oregon extra for our VIPs of what I really think is going to happen in this game. I think the defensive touchdown isn't a terrible idea. Oregon's been a defense that's caused turnovers all season. In that Stanford game, they weren't able to. You can't tell me guys like Verone McKinley won't come out very, very hungry. Mikhail Wright, all those guys looking to intercept the ball or cause some fumbles. I could definitely see them playing some real hard nose, go after the ball football, and I think it'll be a lot of fun to be able to watch our VIPs. You can also expect to see a video from me game day, probably sent out more on time considering the internet around Austin's actually not as bad as it was around Stanford. So hopefully we'll get that out to y'all sooner. Exactly. Knock on wood. <laughs> seriously. That that would be exactly when the cell towers would go down after. You just set, like that. you just set us all up, man. We're going to be sitting there with no cell phone service in Austin. I'm already, that's my next prediction. We're, I'm going to go up, on I'm, that. I'm going to pull some strings and use that press box Wi-Fi if I have to. We're going to make it happen. We're going to get that video out to you. I always look forward to being able to talk to our VIPs before the game and get them going. And, of course, you too can become a once-a-duck VIP. All you have to do is make a small donation, and you are part of the group. You keep us going. You keep our spot. You keep our uh, SoundCloud open. Excuse me. You keep our Dropbox open. You do us a big favor, and we're able to bring you guys a little extra content, and it's very fun and always worthwhile. Yep. And uh, thank you again to our guest, Terrell Turner. And uh, still the hype <laughs> that we've gotten from our guest last week. We got to thank him again. Joy Harrington, generous guy with his time and with how much he's been pr helping promote the podcast. Got to love it. We know we've gotten a lot of positive feedback and we still want to hear more of it. Let us know in the comments, man. I'm hearing a lot of it personally. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome because our comments still got nothing down there. So see it on YouTube. I know you if you're listening right now on SoundCloud, you're missing important, valuable stuff that you can only get visually. And anyways, we can just appreciate the likes and the views. I'll say it. It's, it's, it, it helps us feel a little bit better about the work we're putting in and uh, helps us encourage even more bigger guests. And we have quite a few of them planned this season. No hints just yet, but if you're VIP, you do get to know early. So again, if you want to be one, all it takes is $5. You got to donate, let us know on Twitter. We can let you know how, and uh, yeah, got to, got to get everybody involved on that because uh, the perks, it, it, you're going to appreciate it. We even let you know when we can, so you can get some of the questions. In. That's just what we do here. And uh, want to, want to continue to bring those things to the forefront and uh, your ideas help make this show. And again, those VIP ideas get shot right to the forefront. They absolutely do. Everybody, as always, follow him at justfollow61. Follow myself at samuel101ts. I've seen that follower count actually kind of increasing. If I, if I didn't follow back, I'm sorry. It's just because I'm overwhelmed by the number and I'm choosing just to put my phone down because it's easier than actually thinking about what's going on. So I apologize. But my goodness, it's been so great to be able to connect with so many Duck fans. Follow at once a duck. You can always hear our random thoughts about sporting things that happen occasionally one of us will just throw something on there that we feel is duck related but you're guaranteed to always see when we post new episodes and new content from there as well
Yeah, and my occasional husky hate. Gotta love it. Anyways, thank you guys. Hope you tune in next week. And uh, once a duck, always a duck.